Welcome to the Bet US Soccer Channel. I'm Flash. It's Premier League and it's match day seven. What did we see last week? Well, Man United, third win in a row. But I tell you what, they were not as convincing as the scoreline says. Arsenal were good but got beat. Dropped points by Manchester City. And then the teams go into Europe. Well, listen, we've got a lot to discuss. But first of all, we're America's favourite sports book. So we'd like you to subscribe. And also we'd like you to ring the bell. Ring the bell means that we will notify you and you'll never miss any content again. If you're on social media, then please follow at BetUSTV because all the sports are now kicking off uh, in the US. NFL week one this week. NCAAF, which is college football, is kicking off as well. So please follow at BetUSTV and they will cover you. The uh, link in description is for the shirt contest. I contacted four people yesterday. If you wasn't contacted and you did enter, then don't worry because I'm going to leave you in the hat. And then this month, there'll be another four as well. Get yourselves in the chat because we've got one, two, three, four, five. I think we found the value. Remember, there's always a caveat now. My two experts are... Obviously, the award-winning owner from the UK of We Love Betting in Marco Hare and European odds compiler Stinch. And Stinch is like the one that sniffs out value and when lines are completely wrong. But first of all, I'm going to come to you, Marco Hare, because there was a few dodgy results last week and we were on the wrong side. I say we, not you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't believe we're already on match day seven, Flash. I know, it's, it's crazy. It's whiz-by, and now with the European competition kicking in as well, um, I can barely remember what happened last week, let alone what happened in midweek. You know, it's, that's, it's that intense, and it's going to get even you know, more intense before the World Cup in, uh, in November. So, um, yeah, football's moving fast. You know, Thomas Tuchel's lost his job. Uh, Liverpool looked a shambles midweek. But last weekend, what happened? Uh, I know I went two from two. I can't really tell what anyone else did because it's it's literally the way things are going at the minute. Um, uh, yeah, you mentioned United-Arsenal, which uh, I agree with you, actually. I think Arsenal played pretty well between yeah. both boxes. Uh, I think they let themselves down probably in the final third um, and also a little bit immature um, with some of their defending. But, um, uh, yeah, still, for me, I'm still trying to work out Man United to see where they actually are at because... Uh, they have improved immeasurably defensively and certainly the personnel that have come into the team since he's made the changes have improved matters. But um, yeah, we're still probably not seeing the swashbuckling uh, attack-minded team that we've probably been promised in the summer. So uh, I still think they're a work in progress and there'll still be tougher tasks to come. But certainly beating Arsenal and Liverpool at Old Trafford has to be considered a big positive. Yeah, Stinch, I watched uh, most of these teams as I normally always do. Disgrace was uh, the word I came out when I watched Brighton versus Leicester. And obviously, I'm talking about Leicester. I mean, three of the goals that they let in were actually three or four mistimed tackles in the same build-up. They weren't putting their foot in. They weren't tracking. And the defending's a joke. Tuchel loses his job. And yet, Rodgers hangs on in there. Yeah, Leicester haven't been very cohesive at all in their opening six fixtures. Um I watched them against Man United on the, the Thursday before and Man United weren't anything special at all. But Leicester just didn't create anything going forward, just weren't fluid at all. I think they're suffering a little bit with playing out players out of position. So Ndidi at centre back rather than central midfield is 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 an is an example. They I know we weren't probably big fans of Casper Schmeichel, but at least he was a, a bit of a leader there at the back and an organizer. Uh, you know, he's talked quite a lot. They've got Danny Ward in there, who who looks at who looks a little bit out of place in the Premier League uh, eleven. So it's kind of no surprise they're bottom of the league. But just quickly on Man United, 
I think they're being very fortunate they're managing to score the opening goal in these latest games that they've been winning because it just meant that they've been able to sit back, soak up the pressure and then hit on the counter-attack with the pace and guile of the of the attacking players that they have. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens when they actually go behind in a match. Yeah, I was a bit surprised that um, Mikel Arteta at 1-1 decided to go all in. And then and obviously Man United then get the second and then they get the third. And it was almost like, hey, be patient. It was like he was playing poker and he got bored and just threw his chips in when, for me... Man United weren't the better side against Arsenal. Remember to get yourselves in the chat here, by the way. And I was just reading something from El Dante, who looks like... Uh, let me just tell you what he says. Arsenal can't defend, fragile at the back, lacking leadership, and Arteta can be naive. Well, I agree with the naivety bit, but I thought Arsenal were really good, considering a couple of their players are not even hitting any form. Um, but there's some other sides we've got to talk about. And one of them is Brighton, Marco, here. Brighton have just gone from strength to strength to strength. And look what happens. Now they're going to lose their manager, their backroom staff, and their recruitment officer as well. So maybe Brighton, do we do we have to steer clear of them now? Um, I would leave them alone this weekend just because of the upheaval that goes into that game, uh, particularly playing a Bournemouth team who are fresh off the back of that. Yeah, incredible comeback really at Nottingham Forest and you know they've earned four points from the last two games and certainly look a lot more rounded now that Gary O'Neill's taken charge on a temporary matter so it does feel like a bit of a banana skin back in Brighton at short prices with with Potter sort of upping and leaving um, certainly would always be happy to sort of leave those kind of occasions alone when managers have, have just left and they're in a bit of flux but I think longer term uh, I have got faith Brighton finding the right candidate to, to fill the void might not be the next Graham Potter but I'm certainly sort of confident in the, the leadership of that club to, to find the right character to to set it uh, to sit into that system and uh, and uh, continue the sort of slow progress in, in the right direction I don't expect them now to sort of feature in the in the shake-up for the top six not that they would have under Potter but um, you know that's the way they, they've been projecting at least for the, for the last 12 months or so in terms of the underlying metrics but uh, yeah I, I, I don't anticipate a, a huge downturn um it, but it obviously depends on who they manage to to get into the dugout in the next uh, week or so god it's amazing that uh, gary o'neill remember when he was a young boy at portsmouth i was uh, i was training getting back from my first broken leg and uh, yeah they was only like 17 year old and they said that he would be a player and now he's the manager of a premier league side okay listen let's um Let's kick off with, obviously, the records. The records weren't so bad as it goes last week. I think we uh, we nicked a bit. I've gone to minus three, which is good because I was at minus five. So I was happy to pick up a couple of units. That was mainly down to Man United scoring twice um, and both teams scoring over. Marco Hare at 3.9, Stinch at 6.48. Prop of the week came in, or didn't it? Liverpool, Everton, nil-nil. But don't worry, we cash plus 100 over 10 and a half corners and a total 8.45. What a difference a year, mate, lads. That's a great start. I'm really, really, uh, really pleased with that because now we've got no excuses. We always say that if we're anywhere near parity after six weeks, we're in good, we're in good form. We're up 8.45. OK, uh, let's kick off. We've got one, two, three, four, five games. I've gone with value this week because I've gone back to my old average if you can't split them then go down the middle. So game number one. We talked about Leicester being shocking. Well, Aston Villa are their uh, visitors and they got an unbelievable draw last week. Probably not deserved, but still you you play 90 minutes and you see where the, uh, the dice fall. It's Leicester versus Aston Villa. Leicester at plus 150. Villa 
plus 190. It tells you it's a flip em game. So you look straight down the bottom for the draw at plus 245. The under or over is at two and a half, with the over being at minus 120. Marco, hey, I'm going to come to you first because minus 120 on over two and a half for Leicester, is, is that not just close your eyes and point? <laughs> yeah, you know, the drill flash. Um, it's uh, it's just a rinse and repeat job. I mean, we don't need to go too much into detail. I'll, I'll try and sort of explain my thinking behind this. But firstly, I think the, the money line is quite interesting because the market is effectively rating Aston Villa as the stronger team here. Um, I think the home advantage uh, for Leicester should at least make it a, a bit of a pick really. But it's not. And, you know, we can't really back Leicester on the back of five successive defeats and 16 goals against. But what I would say is the schedule has been pretty tough for them. They've already had to face three big six teams uh, and they've not faced anyone currently below 12th. I know it's very early in the season, but below 12th in the current standing. So, yes, the eye test is, isn't very good. Stinch is right. They're playing players out of position systematically and individually. They look a mess defensively. And uh, But I would say I was quite happy that uh, Rogers dropped Vardy and went with Iheanacho and Dakar up front against Brighton. I thought they did pretty well, in fairness. Um, and that's what we've talked about from time after time. They do have that ability in the final third to score goals, regardless of the opposition. But you just can't trust them defensively. Um, as for Aston Villa, I completely agree. Fortunate to get that point. Man City's precision and final ball wasn't quite on it against uh, Villa. Still, they dominated. They only gave away three shots and Villa scored with their only on-target attempt. So, Gerrard's certainly not out of the woods. They've had a much softer schedule compared to Leicester. Four of their six opponents are ranked below 12th in the Premier League at this early stage. Um, and they've looked pretty flat for, for all intents and purposes. So, but, uh, you know, if you had to ask someone in the street, where are Leicester's strengths? You'd, uh, you'd say absolutely in forward areas. Where are the weaknesses? Defence. It's exactly the same for Aston Villa right now. All their abilities in forward areas. Gerard might not be able to pick the, the right team just yet, but at least they've got the ability to to invent and score goals. And, you know, if you're looking to back goals here, neither team has kept a, a clean sheet this season. Um, over two and a half goals as one in 13 of Leicester's last eight, 18, uh, as well as five or six this season. They've kept two clean sheets in 19 Premier League games and seen both teams scoring in 15 of those. Uh, Aston Villa have scored in all but six away games since the start of last season, but kept just the six clean sheets on the road as well. So, um, you know, I've kind of just put it all into the mix, really, and just back over two and a half goals. And both teams to score tends to be my staple when Leicester are involved at the minute. Uh, we're getting plus 110. I think that's a, a cracking price. You know, worth bearing in mind as well, but both managers are under fierce pressure at the minute. They have to see this match as a really winnable opportunity. And I think when that's you know, on the cards, we tend to see a more open, expansive uh, atom kind of game rather than a sort of defensive first. I think, you know, if you're Rogers or Gerrard, the last thing you want to do is go into this game and just try and pick up a point. You have to try and go for it because, you know, it, playing Leicester away or for Leicester's purposes, Villa at home, it has to be seen as a, an opportunity to get points on the board compared to, you know, when you have to play one of the big six teams or, or a top half team. So, yeah, I, I expect this game to be quite an enjoyable one, a watchable one, and I'm happy back in goals. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, I think that minus 120 over two and a half should be a shoo-in. But Stinch, Leicester to score twice at plus 120. But the thing is, they let in goals. I remember they let in two against Brentford. They let in five against Brighton. They let in four against uh, Arsenal. It's just crazy, the goals that they're letting in, because there's no midfield. It's just you attack, I attack. But the big problem I have with this game is, I think Villa have got as much chance of winning this game as Leicester. So I'm, I've gone with a draw. I've actually gone with, I can't split them, I'm taking the draw. Yeah, I think both defences are the vulnerable ones here rather than the attacks are, are amazing. Um, Mark covered the, the overall aspects of, 
of the team's stats in terms of their, their overs games. But if you look at the teams defensively, beginning with Leicester, they've got a problem with the goalkeeper, Danny Ward. He's, he's had a nightmare, really, beginning of the season. He's waited two years, I think, for his chance to, to start. He's been given the chance to start. And, yeah, he's just, he's just performed as if there's no goalkeeper in goal, I would say. He just looks a worry every time the ball comes near him, even with the ball at the feet. He looks, he looks awkward. He fell out with uh, Ndidi last week over over a pass he he gave him and, and gave one back. And against Arsenal, he went missing with the cross into the box. If you look at his uh, his performance statistically, he's rated as the worst goalkeeper in the league this season so far, based on um, post shot expected goals, uh, which is it gives you a very good indication of how many how many goals um, a goalkeeper should be saving based on the expectation and he's at minus 4.4 and, and generally you'd be looking around zero for um, average performance so it just goes to show you how poorly he's performing and then Villa themselves in the last away game eight away games they conceded two or more goals and six of them so yeah no complicating at all over two and a half goals minus 120 don't care if someone goes and wins fives now yeah, I've already got it down as a 2-2 draw, to be honest. So, I mean, Villa to score twice is at plus 135 as well. And the other one you've got to remember here is if Villa do quieten Leicester down, the crowd are very, very impatient at the moment. And rightfully so. I mean, they're, they're saying that Rodgers should have gone already, that he hasn't got a clue, he can't change a game. So, listen, it's one of those games where I've gone with the old, um, the old average of if you can't split them, Take the draw at plus 245. Let's have a little look at the official picks because we've got Leicester who've got to get something out of the game and Villa who'll be turning up thinking we can get something out of the game even though they did get beat 2-0 uh, away at Bournemouth. We've got it all covered here though. Over two and a half and both teams to score at plus 110. For me, it's a draw at plus 245. Brings in the 2-2. Um, and obviously I'll cover the boys if it's just a 1-1. Over two and a half at minus 120. I think that we, uh, we've we all got a chance to cash there. And I'm just going to have a quick look in the chat before we go on to game number two. Everyone's thinking, yeah, they, they love the both teams to score and over two and a half, which brings in both Stinch and Marco here. And who's to question them when they're absolutely flying? Okay, let's move on from the uh, East Midlands. And we're going to go down to the South Coast. Southampton versus Brighton. Well, the first thing you do is, uh, sorry, Brighton. Southampton versus <laughs> Brentford. It's Southampton at plus 130. Brentford plus 215. Looks like uh, great value. Uh, the, straight away, you look at the numbers and it's over two and a half with the over being at minus 125. Brentford have scored twice, nearly every single game they've played. And over one and a half is at plus 150 stinch. And the draw looks a good runner again at plus 255. Yeah, that overprice is uh, shortening as almost as we speak, I think, because last night I think it was minus 115 or even minus 120. So that tells you exactly where all the money is going. Uh, and I, I couldn't agree more really with the, with the overs. I struggled to separate these two a little bit. I think Southampton is dangerous to oppose them because I, th I think they've got a lot of young players that uh, Hassan Hutu is developing with, with, a, with a massive uh, ceiling, really. Um, and we've already, I've been very impressed with their two wins so far this season. Both games, they had to come from 1-0 down against Leicester away and Chelsea at home. Neither of those easy games. And I think it's admirable because the way they finished last season was very um, depressing almost. They, they, they sort of, 
got their survival sorted and then they were on the beach seemingly and it looked like it was difficult for, for them to get back in the groove. But yeah, very impressed with the job Hasen who was doing similar praise really, if, if not more, for Thomas Frank after his second season uh, with Brentford. They seem to have evolved from losing Christian Eriksen. They put five past leads last last weekend. Ivan Tony looking, you know, almost almost as if maybe in contention for the England World Cup squad, um, given the poor form and injuries of, of the likes of Calvert Lewin and Callum Wilson. Uh, so yeah, I think both teams are in a great position right now. Um, no injury problems to any like major players or anything like that. So, yeah, over two and a half goals looks an easy bet to me. 13 of Southampton's last 18 over 2.5, so 72%. And for Brentford, 13 of the last 17 over 2.5, 76%. And the odds here suggest it's only going to be around a 55% chance. So, given the fact the two fixtures last season, the home teams won 4-1 and 3-0, see absolutely no reason not to back over two and a half goals. Yeah, Marco Hare, look at draw half time. I think that both these sides come into the game a little bit respectful of the opposition because it's two athletic sides, but they, they don't keep clean sheets. The only clean sheet I can remember Brentford keeping was when they smashed a Man United side who had left before half time already. I've got this as a potential 2 2 as well. So that brings in the over, it brings in the both teams to score. I just see the spoils could well be down the middle, one point each, and they move on. Yeah, I'm happy just to take the result out of the equation and, and follow sort of Stinch's lead and back uh, back goals again. I've, I've been covering Brentford quite extensively on, on these shows. Um, they've largely been really good fun to follow. Last weekend's game, the 5-2 against Leeds was was pretty exhilarating stuff, actually, for, for neutrals. So really entertaining. Almost four non-penalty expected goals in total in that match alone. 31 shots, 14 on target. And, you know, despite the, the scoreline, Leeds actually generated plenty of really good opportunities in that game. And, you know, Game State may have played a part in their total. But, but you know, since thrashing Man United, Brentford have been quite open defensively. They've allowed six and a half expected goals and 61 shots in four games against Leeds, Palace, Everton and Fulham. You know, not the, the hardest of schedules, really. And they're giving up opportunities there. The key being they've created plenty of their own, over seven non-penalty expected goals in that same sample. And, you know, Ivan Tony in that mood at the minute, you back him to, to put away any chances that come his way at St. Mary's. So, you know, you combine the, the four and against MPXG figures or expect goals figures and we're well above three and a quarter. So, um, and that's just in the last four games, which is really, really high. So, you know, in raw numbers, uh, the goals have been prevalent too. Five of six, both teams to score winners, four of six, over two and a half goals winners so far this season for Brentford. But their defensive record away from home should be highlighted too. They've kept two clean sheets and 22 away from home since promotion, but they have scored in 16 of those matches themselves. So you've got a 68% hit rate for BTDS and over two and a half goals in Brentford away games since they've come into the Premier League, which is a very high number. Um, and then you've got Southampton, who I do find tricky to read at times. I think Stinch gave a, a nice sort of intro into them. They've seen four of six over two and a half winners this season, yet to keep a clean sheet themselves. But they've scored in 18 of 22 home games in the Premier League since the start of last season, which is very, very strong. So, yeah, I'm just back into attack-minded teams with defences you can't trust to, to go at it this weekend and uh, hopefully see some plenty of goals. So uh, over two and a half goals and BTTS again at plus money, plus 105. Yeah, two athletic teams that are going to have a, a real go. Cue the nil-nil. Um, Mitch <laughs> has got a good one. He's gone with one one two two three three uh prop at plus 375. But listen, again, like we spoke about with the other games, I cannot split these. I could see one of these teams leading 2-1 with like 
10 minutes to go and the other team, Brentford, score late goal. Southampton are at home. So again, the draw at plus 255. And remember, if you do go with a draw, it's always, it's always the forgotten result. Let's have a little look at the official picks here. And I do like draw half time as well, where they might just take a while to feel each other out. Marco here has gone with over two and a half goals. Both teams to score at plus 105. Over two and a half goals at minus 125. And the draw at plus 255. That is a mirror image of game number one that we uh, that we covered. I just think that I'm just going to go with the uh, value this week. And if I hit like a 40%, I'm going to be making good, good money. Now, what a game we're going to go to next because these are been in action in Champions League. Both kept clean sheets, both scored goals, but it's Man City at minus 250. Spurs at plus 650. Remember, Spurs do go to Man City and they do put their best foot forward. In fact, if there's one team that Man City have got a little bit of a uh, inferiority complex, if you may say it, at home, it's against Spurs. The draw is at massive plus 425, but Spurs plus one and a half at minus 120. Stinch, uh, now, Marco, here, you go first, because the total's at three, which you can see there's going to be three, minus 130. But Spurs getting a goal and a half. Listen, some people will just have Spurs plus 650 or Spurs draw no bet. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Spurs with a goal and a half start. Um, I know everything, uh, logic in terms of betting, in terms of data, um, suggests Man City are obviously the strongest suit and deserve to be firm favourites for this match. But... Um, I just look at the, the matchup between the two coaches and I think Conte has enough about him to engineer something that resembles competitiveness at the Etihad this weekend. I'd be surprised if a Conte team went there and, and lost by two goals or more. Um, they have been basically outside of the big two, the best team in the Premier League since he's arrived, not just in points, but in terms of XG process. Tottenham, as you say, have got a decent record against City. Somehow they've burgled four wins from the last five Premier League meetings. But... You know, there's there's something in that, and I think the way in which they went to the Etihad last year and and just destroyed City on the counter attack. You know, barely had to have possession half the time. It was just quick yeah. balls in behind, and and you know Guardiola didn't have any answer for it. He's now lost three of his last five meetings with Conte across all competitions. Spurs have since been to Anfield when Liverpool were in sort of top gear towards the, the title run-in and, and picked up something there too. You look at the players available to them this weekend, they've now got Richarlison um, added into the mix as well. So I just think counter-attacks and transitions here could really hurt City, particularly if current team news turns out to be true for, for Saturday. You know, Stones and Walker missed out in midweek. Um, you know, they're touch and go basically for the weekend. Laporta, Laporta is still out, um, but without Walker, you've got a massive loss of kind of recovery pace. I know he's limited in, in what he offers you with the ball, but defensively, it's just that that recovery pace which can be so critical against a team like Tottenham. So you look at the, the proposed back four that City could field, field this weekend, it, it's not the best. Um, so I think Spurs can have some joy. I think Conte's smart enough to have studied what Newcastle did, more so than what Aston Villa did against Man City, and, and provide an effective game plan that revolves around counter-attacking and, and hurting City in those transitions. We know deep down, as much as he's had joy with Inter Milan playing some fluent, good attacking football, he is a pragmatic coach by nature, and he does relish playing the counter-attack style. So, um, yeah, I think this is, you know, we've not seen Spurs hit their straps yet this season, but this might be their opportunity to play an effective game plan, which can just offer something competitive. I don't expect them to lose by two or more goals. So, uh, therefore, the handicap looked at the logical selection.
Yeah, Stinch, but this is the first game that we're covering that actually both teams were in uh, European action in the Champions League. Both came through it quite comfortably in the end. But is this not like both teams are scoring over? Because we know Spurs are going to score because they're going to hit them on the break. We know that Man City are going to score. It's just who gets that second one first. I worry a little bit about what Spurs' approach is going to be. I think there is the idea that they go there and they sit back and then they hit City on the counter, as you mentioned. But sometimes I feel like away at Chelsea, for example, I feel like they were a little... They did, like Chelsea, we've seen, they've sat their manager, like probably due to poor performances. And yet Spurs, I think, were lucky to get a point out of that game. Well, you say think, that, they were not very good first half, but second half, they bossed the game. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, if they come out with a slow start here, they could be three goals down. So oh, yeah. that—that's my—that's my kind of concern. Um, like I understand the logic behind Mark's bet for sure, especially with the City's uh, defense um, absentees. But um, just in general, I think it's always a little bit scary to be back in the opposition on a handicap against Man City. It's kind of the numbers and all that will 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 make sense, but it's not like a game you'd enjoy watching where you're just worried that you're going to be defending for 90 minutes kind of uh, a game behind the sofa so yeah that's my only sort of reservation especially the fact I think I mentioned uh, last week that Spurs have been conceding a, a lot of chances as well maybe not um, good chances but they were conceding an, an average 15 shots per game and when you compare that to City's seven uh, Arsenal eight Liverpool nine just shows you that it's not really conducive to being successful in terms of winning football matches or even avoiding defeat. And when you come up against uh, an elite team like City who who can finish difficult chances, then it, it can always be quite dangerous. Having said that, Tottenham possess two of the best finishers in world football in Kane and Son. So, yeah, it could, it could be a goal fest, could be a basketball game. I remember a few seasons ago, Tottenham went there in the Champions League and it finished 4-3. Then they played three days later and City won 1-1-0. So, uh, yeah, I'm just not quite sure how Tottenham are going to approach it. So, yeah, I'm just kind of leaving this one alone. Yeah, Son to score at any time. And you're, I mean, whenever you watch this game, you're picturing Man City have the ball, they play around with it, they've got Spurs have got good shape. Then all of a sudden they press, they win the ball. Because remember, at the moment, outside of maybe De Bruyne, obviously Bernardo Silva and Foden, they've got, if, if you get through that line, and on a, on a breakaway, their recovery is not good, Man City. I, I see Spurs scoring. I see Son being dangerous. But I had to leave the game alone because, as you say, if Spurs come out and don't put their front foot forward, then Man City are going to put them to the sword. But both teams to score an over definitely, definitely looks a massive runner. Um, again, let's uh, have a little look at the official picks because we've got two absolutely top draw sides at the moment with top draw players as well. Um, Tottenham plus one and a half and minus 120. I suppose that's a no-brainer really, Marco, here, because they've only lost two of their last seven meeting Spurs. Yeah, and uh, it's just kind of feeding into what you're saying there, Flash. You know, you've got players of, of sheer quality in forward areas, and if you expect, expect Spurs to score, City needs to score three to see the bet lose. So, you know, the more, the more often Spurs score, the harder, they, hard, harder it becomes for that handicap to lose. So I fully expect them to score at the Etihad. Yeah, me too. I mean, listen, uh, and I, I think that plus 650 might be worth a few shekels uh, because I tell you what, 
Spurs are up there. Spurs at this moment in time. Maybe they won't be right at the very top come the end of the season if something happens to one of their star players. But I tell you what, at the moment, pound for pound, they are really punching their weight. Okay, let's go on to game number four because there's a couple of little conundrums that need to be worked out here. We're going to East London. It's West Ham versus Newcastle. And again, look at these prices. They are really are, if you fancy one of the teams, you're going to get paid handsomely. It's West Ham at plus 155, Newcastle at plus 190. That all of a sudden tells me the, the prices are too big. So let's look at the bottom and the draw is plus 235. Um, let's have a little look. Mark, 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 bah, bah. We're going to go to you, Marco, here because over two and a half goals is at minus 110. Remember, West Ham are in Europa League action on the Thursday night. Newcastle going from strength to strength. Oh, six and two threes, Marco, here. I'm not splitting these two, but, but I tell you what, I wouldn't put anyone off of Newcastle at plus 190. I wouldn't put anyone off the draw at plus 235. Yeah, I found this a, a horrible game to try and analyse because, uh, you know, the market is saying what it said pre-season, really, that Newcastle are the better team and the most likely team to be finishing seventh behind the big six. And but they're coming into this trip without Callum Wilson. And we still don't know the the availability of Sam Maximan or Gimmerej as well, who missed out last weekend. And, you know, I would want them to be involved if I want to be pro-Newcastle here. They they are a much tougher proposition to, to play against these days, Newcastle. But but that trio especially uh, add the, the X factor, really, for, for Newcastle. Uh, and they haven't performed hugely impressively away from home. I know they did very well at Anfield before losing. But, you know, they didn't bring the house down in draws at Wolves and Brighton already this season. West Ham do have European commitments. But I think domestically they have started to show us a bit more of what they're all about. Deserve something at Chelsea last weekend. Put on a really good shift in the second half against Spurs. We know they're capable, but again, just put off by defensive injuries, really. Um, started last week with a back three featuring Emerson Palmieri and Timo Kera. So, yeah, that's massively kind of alarm alarm bells ringing, really, if you want to back West Ham. So, goals-wise, uh, again, just, just no interest, really. These two are amongst the bottom four of the Premier League in terms of total goals per game so far this season. Just three of their combined 12 games have featured over two and a half goals. And uh, I guess low-scoring games do tend to bring the likelihood of the draw into play. So, perhaps that is the best solution here is just to to you know take the draw at a bigger price rather than sort of hanging out on either team yeah there's a couple of ways i want to look at this stinch and the way that i did look at it was west ham home side but thursday night they are in European action, so we're expecting maybe there could be excuses and a sluggish start we're also going to look at Newcastle going to Brighton and drawing 0-0, going to Wolves and drawing 1-1 they're going to Brighton and keeping a clean sheet the way Brighton are you've got to give them credit but I'm just wondering if these two are going to show each other a little bit too much credit. And bearing people, every time we look at every game in the Premier League, it's like both teams are scoring over. I'm not so sure with this one because it's minus 110 under two and a half goals. It looks like a nil-nil 1-1. One, one. Yeah, potentially. I think especially with Newcastle's injuries and as you mentioned, West Ham being in action in Europe might be some tired legs. So, yeah, if I was forced into a bet, probably looking at unders, Mark uh, rightfully pointed out that both uh, both teams are in the bottom four for goals scored. Uh, I think I'm just kind of waiting for West Ham to click and basically Newcastle to get their first choice 11 back, essentially. Um but if you look at the prices here, I definitely don't think Newcastle are, are fairly priced here at plus 190. I think 
I think West Ham are, are equally good, as good as Newcastle, if, if not better. And they've proved that the last couple of seasons in the Premier League. So, And also, I quite like the fact they've now got Skamaka and Max uh, Corne. So they can rotate Antonio a little bit more. So it means that I think they will be a little bit, they will be able to play uh, fresh players in the front line at the weekend. I'm just as a bit concerned with their, their um, form and performances going back towards, even towards the back end of last season. I know last back end of last season, you can kind of caveat at it with the fact they were in uh, European semi-final and, and obviously they had some tough games, so they were rightfully prioritising. They just got off to a bit of a sluggish start of the season, so I'm just kind of waiting for them to click a little bit more before trying to side with them because I wanted to side with them away at Villa uh, a couple of weeks ago. I know they won 1-0, but they didn't play that well. Um, but I thought the price was too big. And again, I think the price is a bit too big here, but yeah, just want to see a little bit more from West Ham and maybe just give them a few games for these new signings to bed in a little bit as well. Marco here, draw half-time. It looks like it's on the cards. But then do we see a draw after 90 minutes? Because again, when you see that under two and a half goals is at minus 110, it tells you it's a flip of a coin. If it's a flip of a coin, but the big the big price is on the draw. Yeah, I'd prefer just to take the draw at 90 minutes rather than any sort of half-time angle, purely because I think we're all sort of talking about the the uh, issues that uh, Newcastle might have in the final third with those players missing. Uh, the fact that West Ham might be sluggish. Uh, we like all. I think we all like the unders. And if you like the unders, then surely the draw is is a more value play there because uh, you know if it's going to be uh, an under two and a half game, then obviously nil nil and one one come into play. So um, yeah, two two thirty five on the draw would be my my selection if I had to. But uh, I'm happy to skip this myself. Yeah, and the, and this is another one we've got to make everyone aware. This is the first weekend of fixtures. That you're on the back of European campaigns. I know that some of these have had conference games, but listen, Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck could have played right back and left back against some of them teams. It's in earnest now. It's the group stages of both European competitions. There's travelling involved for some, not for others. There's rest for others. So just make sure that you are a little bit, you do your homework and look for slow starts for them sides that are in Europe. Uh, official picks, I think I'm on my own here. But again, I've gone with value. I'm, I'm going to go with what I'm for. I think it's going to be a bit of a dull weekend. Or I don't think there's many teams that are going to pick up three points to save that way. No, draw plus 235. All the others are around 255. But this game does look like maybe nil-nil or 1-1. One, one. Um, OK, let's go on to game number five. Because this is the game where I was really wanting to get my teeth into. Off to South London. Crystal Palace plus 245. My eyes were like saucers. Man United at plus 115. And on the back of them being involved in Europe. And by the way, they have got away with uh, a few iffy performances when they're 1-0 up, inviting the uh, opposition on. Palace to score twice is at plus 180. Man United to score twice is at plus 100. I don't see Man United scoring twice. So if you wanted a little bit of a uh, value, maybe the minus 130. It's over two and a half with the over at minus 125. Uh, let's go with you, Marco, here. Palace, Man United. I was so close to going Palace plus 245 or Palace, draw no bet, around the 145. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather be on the Palace train than, than United. Um, they've had a tough start to the season. They've already played three of the big six 
already and I think they can be relatively pleased with their performances so far. Defensively they haven't been as strong or solid as as last season but I think last weekend against Newcastle we saw a, a marked improvement really and Anderson and, and Gigi at the centre-half were, were very very strong and, and do provide a real platform for the rest of the team to work from and yeah, I think that is important when Palace play they need to have that strong foundations because there's plenty of players with flair and invention in that midfield and going forward that can create um, so yeah if Palace can keep things tight then absolutely they've got an opportunity here um, because I think United are still a work in progress, I said at the start, and I think Palace have proved under Patrick Vieira that they can be competitive against the big guns. They can be difficult to beat, particularly at Selhurst Park, where they've lost just five Premier League games since he began his reign at the start of last season. Uh, only two of those defeats were by two goals or more, which was Liverpool when they were going through a, a great run and Arsenal on the opening day of the season when I think the scoreline was a little bit a little bit harsh, really, on, on Palace. So, um, in fact, last season, if you looked at their record against the, the top teams, they turned over Arsenal, Spurs and United at Selhurst and they held City, lost narrowly to Chelsea. So, yes, I think they can be competitive and immediately the, the, the half-goal start was interesting. Uh, as you say, the draw no bet then comes into play as well. Um, United have improved, but just remarkable that they're only three points off the top of the table, considering what we've seen so far this season. Um, I know the wins against Liverpool and Arsenal, uh, you could say they, they you know, I wouldn't say they completely deserved the, the points against Arsenal, but they played much more improved than what we've seen. But against Leicester, they didn't offer a huge amount after taking the lead. And I think where Southampton as well, there was question marks over the the final result in terms of whether whether they were deserving of it too. So um, they're looking more secure. They're looking a lot more solid since the personnel changes. But I still think that evolution has got a, a bit of a distance to run. So I'm quite happy to swerve this one just because I'm still not sure where they're at in terms of their development. Um, respect Palace, obviously, would rather be their side. Um, but I'd probably, if I had to have a play on this one, I'd be going down Stinch's cards route on United, which I'm sure he'll probably elaborate on if he's if he's thinking that way again this weekend. Yeah, my big problem with Man United is they get that 1-0 against Southampton. They went 1-0 up. Then they sat back and it could easily have uh, ended 1-1. They went 1-0 up against Leicester. And I tell you what, some of the players down tools. They were like not interested in being positive going forward. Just invite pressure. You invite pressure here at Palace. They will find a way. Stinch, I couldn't split these two sides. And I, I, I want to be with Palace, really. But... The way that Man United are just get 28 men behind the ball. They're so negative. I, I just don't... I, the draw is too big at plus 255. 0-0, 1-1. Uh, and the unders comes in at plus 105. Yeah, I think it's quite good that we're all kind of seeing through uh, United's results, essentially. It's four wins in a row. But that they're, they're not playing in a style that leads itself to winning those matches long-term, for sure. I mean, I think what Ten Hag has quickly realised is he can't implement the plan that he immediately wants to because he started off against Brighton and Brentford playing with a more open style and they were picked off rather easily. Um, so I think he's gone back to basics really and realised that he needs to, rather than going from A to Z, he's having to go through all the alphabet eventually to get to his, his final plan. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's... It's going to be quite concerning to see what happens when they do go a goal behind because I don't believe they, they know how to figure it out at the moment. They're just kind of, yeah, I think they're muddling their way through it. They're getting a, a goal, uh, often on the, on the counter-attack, 
and then they're sitting back and soaking up pressure and so far the pressure been applied by the opposition hasn't really been that fantastic they haven't had, really had to exert themselves too much united so um, if we look back uh, past the the two away games previously they'd lost six in a row away from home and they'd been behind at half time in all of those which is plus 450 on on this occasion so uh, i would like to be with palace as you mentioned i just holding back a little bit for a few more games. So I just want to see how the numbers stack up post Conor Gallagher, essentially, because I felt he was a huge, huge part of their success last season. I think it's really good to see how well Wilfred Zahar is doing in terms of his goal output. I think we all know he's a very good player, but his, his numbers haven't always been that great. But his goals goals have really increased since the since the start of the year, really. And yeah, Mark touched on it. I think my, my best bet, if I had to take a bet, in this game would be the United cards. Um, the line set at two and a half uh, plus 150, which I'd rather go plus 150 and, you know, take like minus 130 or something like that. So I don't really want to back it at 2.5, but United have accrued the most cards in the division 20. You know, that's over three a game. So if they do take the lead, it's highly likely the pressure that Palace exert and the fact that Palace are the top three in terms of fouls uh, received then I wouldn't be surprised to see United pick up some bookings uh, away at Leicester. Three of the back four were carded after they took the lead. And I wouldn't be surprised to see something similar when you have the likes of Dallo, Martinez and Malassia who aren't, aren't um, you know, they, they, they do like to leave their foot in and take the foul and regroup. There's so much talent in this Crystal Palace side. I mean, we've not even mentioned Eze. We've got big, strong defenders and athletes as well. They're uh, wide men in Ayu or Zaha who are fleet of foot. Yeah, I mean, Dalot. Uh, he loves the yellow before he even gets on the pitch. He's already, like, given the ref his name. Um, plus 300. I'd see this being like a really under two and a half at plus 105. I think he's a real runner because you've got a Man United side. If they go one nil up, it's like just batten down the hatches, close the drawbridge or bring up the drawbridge and we will just have a siege mentality. But then I see Palace coming back underneath, like in front of their home crowd. There's too much. But again, I'm looking at a draw here at plus 255. I don't see Palace getting beat. But if Palace win, I will be kicking myself because I think that plus 245 is far too big. And Man United, 1-0, 1-0 away at Southampton and away at Leicester. Leicester? Everyone's putting fours and fives past Leicester and Man United should have done, but they weren't bothered. That's my problem with them. Let's have a little look at the official picks. I'm on my own again. I've gone with four selections this week in the Premier League and all four draws. So I need two to make sure I make good money and it's plus 255. And I do like the under at plus 105. Got this game nil nil. 1-1, so the plus 105 on the unders. Okay, the Q&A will be coming up. We have got no prop of the week last week. We basically, we've done a little Man United. We got a winner, so then we ran away for a bit. So maybe next week it will be uh, right. But before we do the Q&A, so you get typing, I'd like to remind you we're America's favourite sports book. So I'd invite you to subscribe and get us closer to 7,000. Then we'll go on to 10,000 prior on during the World Cup, maybe, because we've got that coming up in under three months' time. Also, I'd like you to ring the bell. Ring the bell means that we'll notify you and you'll never miss any content again. And if you're on social media, then please follow at BetUSTV. NFL week one this week. Got plenty content over at BetUSTV. Also, 
we've got NCAAF, which is the college football. And we, if you press the link in the description, that'll take you to the shirt contest. We had our first four winners. I sent an email to them yesterday, waiting on their sizes, on their selections, and then they'll send pictures. Maybe we'll put them up on one of the uh, shows. Okay, let's have a little look. Uh, Harry Dockett, he says, Chelsea? I think we've got to leave Chelsea alone, haven't we, Stinch? Yeah, I did have Chelsea earmarked at minus 120. You consider the fact they went away to Everton open day of the season. They were, I think they were minus 200, you know, a very short price. Um, and it's not as if they've got bad players. It's just I was slightly concerned that there may be something underneath the surface going on there and don't know, don't quite know whether Potter will be in charge uh, in time for Saturday. Uh, but I think if he is there, then... Uh, then, then that makes sense. Fulham a second for expected goals against conceded. So they've given up a lot of chances, essentially. And yeah, I don't feel as though this match is priced based on a top four candidate against a relegation candidate. I think Chelsea should be shorter in normal circumstances. Yeah, I, I nearly went with a parlay, Marco, here. Uh, but then I started thinking I'm having too many bets. And my banker this week, on paper, was either Arsenal minus one or Leeds money line because Leeds keep going forward, they keep creating, they keep scoring, but they can't keep the back door shut. I see them being far too strong. Um, yeah, uh, I, f I find Leeds a bit too erratic to, to back at the prices against Forest. Uh, should be quite an open and exciting game, but of those two, I'd, I'd much rather take Arsenal. Um, I think I've sort of eulogised enough about Arsenal's record when they host bottom half teams and when they're rated as strong odds on favourites at the Emirates, they tend to be very consistent and tend to do the business. And, you know, they're playing an Everton team who have stiffened up defensively and are, are quite stubborn in what they offer these days under Frank Lampard. I think the additions of Cody and Tarkovsky and, and Anana have, have made that spine a lot stronger. But they have been quite fortunate too. They've they've given up 10.3 expected goals so far and conceded just six goals. And, and Pickford's save percentage is the is the second highest in the division. Man of the match last weekend and in the derby. And we know that going forward they don't offer a huge amount. So you know it's Anthony Gordon, who in fairness has been uh, having plenty of efforts on targets. But outside of that, you've got Neil Mopé, who yeah, I'll just say the leads are erratic, or Mopé's finishing certainly is, um, and there's not a huge amount of invention outside of that. So only slight concern with Thomas Partey being missing, but as I say, Arsenal tended to get the job done when hosting teams of Ever Everton's calibre. So I'd rather them, I think they're a bit more trustworthy than probably Leeds. OK, uh, we have one more before we go to the best bets. Uh, Mitch is saying, got a corner bet this week, Stinch. Who's your fancy on the corners? Is there a game that stands out? Cool. Maybe Liverpool again, because we know they're struggling a little bit in terms of scoring goals. And Wolves probably will go there and park the bus. We're not sure whether Diego Costa, probably, I'm not sure if he'll be signed, but I wouldn't have thought he'd start. Um, and Kalastak is out injured. I'm not sure on Raul Jimenez's availability, but I expect Wolves to go there and bait. Both teams have scored no, Marco here. In which game, Liverpool? Yeah, Liverpool Wolves. Um, yeah, I mean Wolves. Wolves matches you normally go unders and BTTS no, don't you? But yeah. the way in which Liverpool defended midweek is is uh, is quite alarming, isn't it? You know, with uh, Gomez and Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, quite rightly vilified for their efforts. So um, I think Wolves can be competitive there, but it's it's a game I'm quite happy to leave alone, just because you know Liverpool have 
not bar midweek, Liverpool haven't been a million miles away from it in what they've provided in the final third. They've been you know, leading the way for a lot of sort of the leading stats in terms of shots, expected goals and efforts from inside the penalty area in the Premier League this season. Uh, they're very much up there in terms of expected points. Things just haven't fallen their way and they've given away some soft goals too. So um, I think Wolves will improve going forward. I've liked a lot of their signings this summer. I've changed my opinion on how they'll do this term but you know still wonder where those goals are going to come from so potentially but I just think the way in which Liverpool are defending at the minute uh, I just wouldn't want to have to watch them try and uh, keep Wolves out Okay, um, less than uh, less than twenty five percent of you have put thumbs up. Many, many, many are watching. We really appreciate that. That must mean that you're uh, enjoying the show. But on your way out, please make sure that you uh, you do put your thumbs up. Show of a bit of appreciation for Marco here and for Stinch. Let's have a little look at the best bets. Uh, okay, so Marco Hare has gone with Leicester Villa over two and a half goals and both teams to score at plus 110. Stinch has just gone over two and a half at minus 120. Stinch has gone over two and a half at Southampton Brentford at minus 125. Uh, Marco Hare has gone Southampton Brentford over two and a half at both teams to score at plus 105. Well, then I got 2-2 in both of them games. So Leicester Villa draw at plus 245. Southampton Brentford 2-2 draw. Uh, uh, plus 255 and then I've gone draw West Ham Newcastle because I cannot split them and West Ham are obviously in uh, Europa League action on Thursday night and Newcastle have injuries Palace Man United I've gone draw plus 255 and the other one is Spurs to not lose by more than one goal so it's Spurs plus 1.5 at minus 120 from everybody at Bet US. Have a great weekend. Remember, we've got Serie A coming up, we've got La Liga coming up, Bundesliga tomorrow, and we've also got the US Open show on Saturday morning, 11 Eastern time, where we'll cover the women's final, which I think kicks off at 4 p.m. Um, Eastern on Saturday, and the men's final on Sunday, and that will be with Snyze and with noobs so please thumbs up on the way out really appreciate everyone uh contributing uh marco here good luck this weekend stinch good luck keep up the great form gentlemen i'll try and gather a couple of winners and join you in the positive table for everyone at bet us may all your bets be winners you take care